Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am very grateful that you are here with us today. I'm super excited about another podcast discovery call. These are a little insight into the consultations I do with clients. Anyone can book these. They're a 45-minute discovery call. Obviously, we go over 45 minutes. And at the end of them, you get clues into why you're dealing with fertility issues, why other methods might not have worked for you in the past, clear steps on what your next direction might be, a conversation centered totally around you. And if you're really looking for a health coach, if I'm the right fit for you, um, at the end of this, you also get a personal mini action plan emailed to you with clickable, actionable steps that you can start taking today. And bonus for those who book in, you also, if you decide, hey, I really want to become a Finding Fertility family member, your price that you paid for this discovery call actually gets taken off of either the one-to-one coaching package or the fully open formula group coaching program. So without further ado, let's get into today's call. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being able to share your story. Um, I know it's a brave thing to do. Um, Just let's start with your fertility journey, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely. And thank you, as I said, for your invitation. Uh, My journey has not been easy, as many of uh, other women are going through all these. Um, we have been trying to conceive for probably six, seven years now. Uh, we started back in 2018 with IUIs because that was the obvious place to start with. Um, and then after four, four full rounds of IUIs, they were all failed. We had to move into um, IVF. Um, so we did a first retrieval. Around in 2021, uh, we retrieved 10 eggs. Um, we got a total of five embryos. Um, we transferred all of them. They were day three. And none of them actually worked, which was a shocking because as the first time IVF, um, I thought that it was going to work in the first try. Um, so naive of me. And that was such a disappointment. So then we moved into uh, doing a second retrieval. Um, and again, I thought, well, maybe this time we do something better to, you know, improve our embryos and, and my husband's sperm and anything that we can do. Um, obviously, to begin with, I didn't mention, but we didn't have any diagnosis. So it's unexplained infertility, uh, no uh, male factor. Uh, so we don't know what's wrong, basically. What I did. Uh, differently the second time is I did some priming three months prior to my retrieval. I took a lot of uh, supplements, which I didn't do the first round because first round I was so new to this that I jumped straight into the retrieval because as I said, I thought it was going to work. So I just um, did it right away and no prepping of any time, no supplements, no nothing. I just jumped into retrieval mode. Second time, I did take my take my time to do three months of priming with supplements, as I said before. Um, my husband took supplements as well. We did a couple twists on medications, um, added 
different stuff, um, used uh, a device that's called Simon for the sperm separation, which people believe that that helps with the, um, with the embryos that actually get fertilized. And after retrieving 13 eggs, uh, we were able to obtain four day five uh, embryos. Uh, so these were plastos and obviously better, a little bit better quality than the first round because the first round, they didn't even want to push them to day five because they were not probably going to make it. So we did transfer the first one, which was a good graded for AA. We were so excited. And for the first time in my life, I saw a positive. And I said, well, this is it. I'm staying pregnant and I'm keeping this one. And this is my take home baby. And to our surprise, at six and a half weeks, I started having heavy, heavy bleeding, um, um, but really intense. And I was still thinking that it was fine. <laughs> but um, no, when I had the scan, nothing was there. And it was uh, very um, obviously emotionally draining and awful because we actually got to see the sack, the egg yolk, and everything was looking good. We didn't get to hear the heartbeat, and that was coming in the following ultrasound, and obviously we didn't make it to the next ultrasound. So then we continued transferring the other embryos. They were all BB um, grading, so they weren't great as in terms of grading. I've never tested them than the PGD testing. So these were untested embryos, and we transferred the other three, and uh, none of them worked. So here we are after two retrievals, four failed IUIs, um, seven transfers in total, nine embryos total, and none of them work except for one that I lost at six and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's the journey so far. <laughs> that's a and big journey, really big journey. Yeah. yeah. And to add that they were all really back to back. Um, and something that I did here on, on another podcast that you were sharing a story with somebody else and I said well that makes sense because I I was doing everything back to back and the medication load was really high I was on immune protocols with high dose of prednisone which you have no idea how <laughs> many yeah. side effects that has um, yeah so it's been it's been quite a journey <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's address that back to back first, because I think that's um, a big, big message that um, everyone needs to hear. And this is not judgmental. Um, everyone chooses to do what they want to do. But from a physical side and even from a mental and emotional side, um, I don't care what the doctor says. <laughs> it is if you are using medical treatment, it's to your benefit to go slow. Because mm -hmm. as you know, especially if you're using immune suppression drugs, I use immune suppressing drugs for mm -hmm. uh, three of my frozen embryo transfers, especially the, um, the steroids, they mm -hmm. mess you up. That is a <laughs> really, really big um, drug to be on during this time. And that's just one of them right? That's not the, the hormones and the stem and all those things. It's almost, I would say, beneficial and essential when you're doing these treatments to um, give your body time to heal, uh, to detox, and um, to really take care of your mental and emotional state. Because mm -hmm. that's one thing that the fertility treatment um, a lot of them are missing is that mental and emotional support when it's not working. You know, yeah, their yeah. their best answer is, "We'll just do it again." And yeah, and uh, and to be honest with you, what, to back up your, what you're saying, I think that maybe one of the reasons why the first transfer on the second retrieval worked was because I really took like four or five months apart from the last one that failed. I mean, I did the last one in July, and the one that worked was December. So actually it was like almost half a year after. And, and, you know, I did give my body time to kind of like reset, but then after that one, I started back to back, back to back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. yeah. And, you know, you're not alone in that. A lot of women do that. And I think it's um, a combination of the doctor saying that it's okay to do that, which I personally don't think it is on many different levels. And mm -hmm. um, you feel time poor, 
you know, like infertility doesn't make you feel time rich. And so you just are like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. And um, that mental and emotional support during this process is so key. And I don't want to say that that's why it worked for you giving yourself time. I think that helped contribute to, you know, um, having a little bit more success. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I don't know if you know my journey, but yeah, I did a round of IVF, complete failure, sham- shambles, right? Like totally mm-hmm. left thinking we couldn't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. The next IVF, we got viable embryos and um, I didn't get pregnant that round, but the second or the first embryo transfer with the immune su- suppressing drugs I did. And as same as you, um, it was an early miscarriage. Um mm. And it was a missed miss one, right? So I went in for the heartbeat scan and there was no heartbeat. So same Mm. as you, we saw the sack, we saw, you know, we Mm -hmm. saw the the little baby growing. Now, the way that I internalized this was I was being successful. So even though I didn't bring home my baby, I proved that my body could do something that I didn't think it could do for a really, really long time. Oh, I totally get that feeling. I had the exact same feeling. It's like, for me, that was, for me, it was like, I was able to turn on my machine. I can make a baby. (laughs) We can make a baby with my husband. So we were like, actually happy. Uh, But at the same time thought, well, if it works, then why not? It should work again. And then Mm -hmm. that disappointment when you keep trying and it doesn't happen. But yeah. I, I agree. It's a nice situation to to be in, at least to know that it worked at least once in your life. Yeah. So that's that's the hope, right? We're going to hold on to that hope. And this is what's going to help us um, take control of the physical elements that we need to take care of. Now, mm-hmm. you sent me, I do a form called This Is Me, and this is what happens with every discovery call, um, just to give me some background information and probably pinpoint some things that maybe you don't think is important towards fertility. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the big, I mean, huge red flags for me is that you're actually dealing with SIBO, which is a small intestine bacteria overgrowth. Now, tell me a little bit about (laughs) this history. Oh, well, it all started when I was in university, you know, very busy life, working 10 hours a day, starting at night. Um, I just happened to meet my husband, so it all it was a really busy life and and I was eating very well but um now, looking back into history, I know that obviously you know high stress of levels and different things don't help. Uh, I think that I had the perfect storm to slowly start developing um gut problems mm-hmm. um because um I was predisposed for um I had a CMV virus when I was a kid and something else that I cannot remember. I think I put it there. Um, it was another, let me see if I can find, toxoplasmosis and um, yeah, the CMV virus uh, when I was a kid. So I think that between that class, I happened to, um, I remember eat out and I had very, very serious uh, food poisoning. And after that incident, my gut just changed and I couldn't tell what it was. And I said, well, it's, you know, my, my lifestyle, my busy lifestyle and uh, the fact that I'm stressed all the time and everything I ate, it would cause symptoms, anything. Like it was awful. I would go to bed at night and feel so full. Like I would not stop having, you know, barping and feeling my stomach was so inflammated and gas and it was horrible. Um, and for years and years, I started going to doctors. And back then I was living in, in Europe in Spain and the doctors just kept saying, no, you, everything is fine. It's just, um, you need to keep taking these drug or fiber to make your digestion better. And the moment that I did the fiber, it was like a time bomb that was going to explode anytime. It just made it worse. 
and then I moved to the U.S. and I happened to learn about uh, the cyber world and the small intestinal bacteria overgrowth situation. I went into, you know, different health groups and discovered that you can actually ask your doctor to get tested. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went to a gastroenterologist here and I said, I want to be tested for this. And she said, well, I think it makes sense. And I was like, oh, finally, somebody that, <laughs> that listens to me and think that I might be right. And then she ran a bunch of different tests and anything that you name it, of course, Leica, everything. And and the this one came back positive, uh, very high methane uh, or hydrogen, sorry. So um, she gave me a round of antibiotics and after taking the antibiotics and and I should say, sorry, that before that I completely stopped gluten and dairy because I knew that gluten and dairy were triggers. I just knew it because I started doing elimination diets and I knew that I had a problem with tolerating them. Um, so I completely eliminated gluten and dairy. And then when, when I finally discovered this uh, positive um, test and took the um, antibiotic. I then followed it with a three months of low FODMAP diet and it actually worked so well. It did wonders. I felt like a brand new person that I could eat anything I wanted. It was amazing. It was like, literally, I dealt with it for 14 years. And after the round of antibiotics for 14 days, plus the three months of low FODMAP diet and a couple supplements, my stomach has been born again. It was like brand new. It was like, I'm, I was a new person. I was feeling fantastic. Then I started eating everything from gluten to dairy to you name it. <laughs> I said, well, this is, you know, I have a new gut, so I can eat whatever I want. And to my surprise, only two months later, my, all my symptoms came back and I was back to square one. I didn't retest, really but it was obvious that my problem was back. And since then, I've done another round of, uh, of uh, the antibiotic, and it did help to kind of like go solve the mayor issues and the mayor uh, symptoms. But I know that the moment I eat something outside of the low FODMAP diet, I just, it, all symptoms go back. So for me, so frustrating because everyone says you cannot do the low FODMAP diet for too long because you're missing on a bunch of different things. My problem is I cannot get out of that restricted diet because the moment that I do, I get my symptoms back. And I know that I cut on gluten, dairy, no soy, no corn syrup, no caffeine, no sugars, no fruit. So basically my diet is a lot of um, high protein, good fats, uh, I try to avoid most processed foods, um, preservatives, and very low carbs, like max probably one toast each morning. But other than that, that's it. And it's just really frustrating because yeah. when I did my last two transfers, I was so, my, my, to the point that my gut and my belly were so inflamed that when I did the last transfer, and the the doctor said, "What's going on with you? I can't even see your uterus because <laughs> it was so full of gas oh that they gosh. couldn't see when they were putting the catheter to put the embryo inside." And I felt such a failure because I said, "How can I be trying to do this transfer when my body is not in the best shape?" Oh. And I know there's a, there has to be a connection between gas and I and you know and fertility because. To me, there's something there, but I can't get around it. I don't know what to do about it. (laughs) Well, you're following your intuition. I just got the chills throughout my body. Um, You're 100% right. There is a massive connection. And so let me me go back with the SIBO. Okay, so Mm -hmm. antibiotics can be very supportive. um, And sometimes it can eliminate it forever. Most of the time, people will think they're fixed and just continue on with life. But SIBO is notorious for being really, really hard to get rid of. So mm-hmm. while antibiotics can be supportive and they, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way, but they are the quick fix, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're doing with antibiotics is you're, you're um, just, you know, you destroy your whole gut microbiome 
alongside of that as well. So you might feel fixed because you're not having the symptoms of SIBO anymore, but what you haven't done, it sounds like, is go in and do a very supportive gut healing phase, right? So for 14 years is a really long time to have these issues. So um, even though that, you know, the antibiotics gave you this, um, you know, very instant relief in a way, um, it, the body just didn't heal itself enough after that, or at all, I would say, right? Like you got rid of an issue, but you didn't tackle the root cause and heal the rest of, of the gut and the intestines and all that. Right. Um, And especially I I do agree that um, you don't want to be on a super restrictive diet for um, long, long periods of time, but where people feel that they can't get out of those restrictions is because they actually haven't healed their gut yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Another part of that too, is that you might just have food intolerances that um, will be with you either your lifetime or for longer periods of time than just the three to four months. Um, so, and I, I, when we do discovery calls, I give you um, some notes in an email and I'll go into much more mm-hmm. details in those, in that email. Mm-hmm. But what I suggest for everyone dealing with SIBO, whether or not you want to take antibiotics, is that there are holistic um, herbal ways and they're about, it's like a three-month protocol that you do yes. to really get yeah, rid of I did. the SIBO. Yeah, I did something like that the first time that I did it and I felt like, okay, I, I definitely got rid of this yeah. <laughs> because I felt like a brand new person. The problem is I started eating everything again and evidently I'm not supposed to do that because I have food intolerances. I did some testing and obviously gluten data came back as high, same as soy and corn syrup. So I avoid them and I will continue to avoid them for life. That is my lesson learned um, (laughs) because I felt so wonderful that probably if then I didn't eat any more gluten or dairy or anybody, anything else, then probably it would be fine by now. The problem is I went back to my old habits. habits. And the yeah. second try, the second time that I tried to get rid of people, I only did the antibiotics, but I didn't do the herbal mm-hmm. um, protocol. And because that was an additional three to four months and I just skipped it. And I said, well, <laughs> and plus I know the reality is I know why I didn't do it because I was heading into the second retrieval. So yeah. the timing wasn't right mm-hmm. because with retrieval, you can't be doing all these supplements plus no. all your retrieval meds and the transfer meds. And it was just so, yeah. so much. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. If, if you're dedicated to going into an IVF egg retrieval, you just need to focus on the clean diet that you've already established and some mental and emotional support. You absolutely are right. You do not want to be detoxing. You don't want to be eradicating anything because what's happening is that you're, you know, the toxins, I mean, the toxins are already there, whether or not you're eradicating them, but they're, they're kind of like getting stirred up, right? Like think of like a jar of water and there's some like floaty bits at the bottom. They're there in the water, but when you like steer (laughs) them up and try to eradicate them, they're like going all over the place. Right. So you're absolutely right in doing that. Now the issue with, and I've had a one-to-one client do this. So probably very similar to yourself. She has thyroid issues and I believed her thyroid issues were completely connected to her gut health. We tested her for SIBO. She had SIBO. She decided to take the antibiotics um, and jump into, I don't mean jump into a negative way, but go straight into an IVF quite quickly after taking the antibiotics. The IVF didn't work. Mm. Um, She didn't get any uh, viable embryos. Um, But to my knowledge, she kept on the diet that we suggested started doing some of the herbal stuff that we did and she got pregnant naturally and just had a baby boy. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So what we did with her is um, not only focused on her diet, making sure that she was on the clean diet she needed to be. So really low inflammation diet, 
but she had the targeted supplementation that she needed to restore her gut lining because that that is a big issue with um, thyroid issues as well. Um, and when you jump into procedures like IVF and IUI or even trying naturally when what I like to call your healing phase, your body just hasn't had enough time to heal the things it first needs to heal. So like your intestines, your gut, your hormone health, um, maybe a bit of your thyroid health, all the stuff that your body is using first to survive, right? And so once you give your body that time that it needs, then it has the extra energy to start um, um, improving your fertility health. Because the thing about your fertility is that your body doesn't need it to su survive. So it literally will shut it down. One of the first things it will shut down. And even people who don't per se have fertility issues, their egg quality, their pregnancies, their births are, are just a little bit not on point because there's so much inflammation going on. But for us dealing with fertility issues, and this is all genetically related, is that when we try to push our body to do something that is saying, look, I don't have enough energy to do that naturally, and we jump into these procedures, we're still doing our body a disservice because we're not focusing on that equality. And that's mm -hmm. one thing IUI and IVF cannot do for you at the moment is improve your egg quality. Only you can do okay. that and sperm as well, right? It's both. It's not just yeah. us, it's both. But when we are dealing yeah. with major gut issues, it is, I know it feels like we're wasting time or that's so long from where I want to be, but you're actually gaining time back if you do it correctly and give your body time to heal that gut first then take it takes three months for an egg to mature so you want to be in a position where you feel that you're I don't know let's say 50 to 70 percent better than where mm -hmm. you were then you start the three month mark from that point because now your body is in thrive mode and has that extra energy to go down and um, produce better egg quality because it's all cellular health. And when you have really low gut health, you're going to have high inflammation leading to having to use things like immune suppressing drugs because your immune system is completely elevated. And what also it's doing is it doesn't have enough energy to give to your egg quality. So mm -hmm. in sense. your yeah. instance with the failed IVFs, and this was mine too, um, because my, so my second IVF, I didn't make it to day 28 because I still had high inflammation, even though I was healthier than I was from mm -hmm. my first IVF, my body was still overacting and not accepting the embryos. Wow. And then with the three frozen embryo transfers that I did, um, especially this, the third one got me the most because I had the immune suppressing drugs. I had the autoimmune paleo diet. I had got and stayed pregnant, had a healthy baby. So that third one I went into with healthy embryos, I didn't get them tested. Um, I thought I was going to have twins, but the fact <laughs> of the matter, and the only thing that I'm able to let or what I believe is that a quality wasn't good enough because my body was on point and I had the medical support, but, um, the a quality still at that time to a naked eye, when they look at it in the, in the scope, you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've been in a room with an IVF specialist saying that doctors can't really tell. They only do their best estimate that you really need that mm -hmm. testing behind it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really, really vital to get that equality because that's probably one of your big issues, especially if you're using immune suppressing drugs and you're doing that medically, you're still not negating that inflammation to the equality.
if that makes sense. Does that does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It and it does make sense perfectly. Um, in fact, I mean, I know that through time and with my, I call it personalized diet because it's a low FODMAP, but it's a combination of low carbs, low FODMAP, some keto, or it's a combination. But um, through time, I started with my, for example, with my Hashimoto's TPOs, which is the indication of the thyroid um, autoimmune uh, problem that I mm -hmm. have over 900 and as of the last lab in a month ago it was only 25 and I never yeah. ever ever had it that low and even the doctor was asking me how what did you do differently and I said I changed my habits and I changed my diet yeah. and this is where it got me here my there's something else I had positive anti-nuclear antibodies mm -hmm. and the last that was two years ago and then last time that I checked them a month ago they were negative for the first time and I was like yeah. well these are good symptoms because it means that I'm guessing that I'm I guess that I'm doing something right uh, but at the same time it's just really frustrating uh, that if sometimes I just don't feel well with my gut and I, I trust try to go back to every single thing that I ate and I realized oh crap I added or I, I added I don't know heavy whipped cream and I was like oh that really made me feel bad and and it's like you feel trapped because you know food gives you happiness you, yeah. you meet with people and you go out and everything that we do today is you know social life but it's surrounded by food so it, it's really it really affects you mentally and emotionally when you really want to be normal and go eat out and and you realize that you start having to ask the people um, do you have gluten-free xyz or do you only yeah. have meat but no soil or whatever and they look at you like you are who, who are you why why so many questions just yeah. get something from the many but uh, it's not that easy because then i pay the consequences so it's it's really hard um yeah <laughs> but I but but I'm I'm thinking that over time I have been doing something good because otherwise those markers wouldn't be what they are today I want to believe that yeah that no 100 but I'm not a hundred percent there yet um but um I I think that you probably have seen where maybe you got off track right and this is, you know, sometimes why it's really important to work with someone to kind of keep you on that guideline. Like if you yeah. were working with me at the time of like taking the antibiotics, doing the protocol, I would still be like, do not eat your food intolerances, <laughs> right? Like yeah. do not do it. I know that you feel better, but you're still in the healing phase. And I would be yeah. interested in too, I get a lot of people who um, have these gut health tests, they're working um, with someone and I'm like, well, what, what, um, gut lining healing protocol are you on? And they're like, what? No, nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, when we're dealing with infertility or fertility issues, we are on time sensitive. Your gut lining will always heal itself. But when you use targeted supplementation to do that, it will quicken your journey so greatly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you're on the right track you're doing the right things. You just need to line those ducks up in a row and um, be patient. I think this is probably the most frustrating part is that it's <laughs> not a quick fix, right? Yeah. We've had decades almost of inflammation and oxidative stress, and it's not just going to happen overnight to get back. Well, to, to make it worse is after my two IVF that um, didn't work, I did consultations with other clinics and consulted probably three, four different IVF doctors. And all of them said, well, you need to rush into getting another IVF round because you are already, uh, I just turned 38. And then they said, this is, you can't lose time. This is your, you know, um, your egg quality is going to drop from now on and it's like okay thank you for that <laughs> so they almost every single doctor that I did a consultation with they all focused on you need to get another retrieval and unfortunately that's where I'm headed now but um 
but I wish my gut was 100% healed before I before I got started, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's like the most infuriating thing for me. And I get clients all the time like that. Like my doctor says, like I had a client who was, I think like 43 and yeah, their doctors were just pushing and pushing and pushing. And I was like, look, you're already 43. Next year, you'll be 44. You're not going to turn 50. You're not going to turn 60 <laughs> next year, right? You're already in a stage of life where you're close to 40. The belief <laughs> that these doctors have that your age is the only factor to your aid quality is so infuriating. And bad, yeah. I think medical like misinformation and uh what's the other word malpractice because they're literally yeah, pushing these you you know women into these um treatments on a false <laughs> false knowledge and it's yeah. so frustrating because for for yourself you're ironically you're actually losing time and yeah, by, yeah, and a lot of money and a lot of fucking heartache, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't yeah, see that. So yeah. your your eggs or your egg health, your egg quality is due to cellular health. Now, the only reason your age ties into that is because you've had longer for your cellular health and inflammation and oxidative stress to get the better of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. So for most people, a 27-year-old compared to a 37-year-old, well, that 37-year-old has had 10 more years of maybe drinking and stress and smoking and bad totally. diet and bad lifestyle. So that's why her absolutely. air quality yeah. <laughs> is worse than the 27-year-old. Where I'm, yeah, the, I'm like a complete opposite. When I was 27, I had awful egg quality so bad mm -hmm. I couldn't even make good embryos and I got pregnant wow. naturally at 37 like explain wow. that to me <laughs> right yeah it is amazing it's all about um I think equality and and your body being in a in a in a, in a good health being overall to to accept the pregnancy I mean I, I listened to one of your one of your podcasts and I think that you were saying something that if you're not getting pregnant then your body's telling you that there's something there that isn't right and it was like I it's so simple what you said but it's so true because yeah. human beings were born to be you know to be able to uh, reproduce and have babies and so why so why at this time and age there's so many people that are having so many fertility problems it's just unexplained so there's got to be something wrong in our bodies and the problem is just tr trying to get to the root cause in every single person right and, and in my case i do believe that my god is the biggest contributor and um yeah <laughs> yeah it is yeah I can tell you with the little information that I have of you just this little time spent mm -hmm. with you that that's your root cause um yeah. it's fixable it's doable you are still young you 38 is not old at all in my books now if you're 48 I would be a little <laughs> bit more nervous but um still doable you're still cycling you're still producing you know you still have eggs in there so it's really about getting on the right track, staying on the right track and giving your body that time to heal and really surrendering um, that you're not, you are not time poor, not at all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like for me, the thyroid, when people have thyroid, there's one or two places places that you really look it's the mental and emotional side and it's the gut health sometimes it's a combination but a lot of times it's so glaring obvious of why you're having that thyroid issue and you already have the evidence that what you are doing is working right yeah and that's yeah. where you need to hold on to your hope and really so so these are hard questions that I ask my clients and I'm going to do it for you right now mm -hmm. um where are you in your IVF cycle? 
I mean, the one that I'm going to start now. Yeah. Um, I'm literally started stimming yesterday. <laughs> okay. So this is, I've had a client that we, that literally decided because she followed her intuition. It was not me. This, I do not make decisions for people. I help guide you in the right decision for yourself. Mid IVF cycle and things were not going her way for various reasons that I don't want, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to disclose because it's personal information. Of course. But I said to her, if you stopped right now, what would happen? You lose money. <laughs> sorry. It's all about, we all think about we lose money on the medication yes. that we already bought. <laughs> exactly. And she was already very heavily invested, traveled to a different yeah. country, you know, like yeah. a very big investment already for her. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'll send this in your notes that I send to you too. Um, and you don't have to use it, but just think about it is mm -hmm. you meditate on these big decisions and you listen to your body. You listen to your intuition. Should I continue this right now, knowing what I know, or should I continue? And only your body and only you can tell yourself this decision. And sometimes you have to get out of your head. You have to, you know, if money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, you know, leave those, those are head thought questions and bring in the soul and the physical body, you know, questions. Would it be in your best like interest it. to continue? What does it look like of stopping, taking time and then restarting? You know, those big questions that we, I don't personally think that we take the time to ask ourselves because we're almost, we're basing our decisions sometimes out of lack, out of fear, out of um, kind of disbelief in our own intuition. Um, I know for me, when I, I personally saw out a clinic that was doing the autoimmune testing because I, my intuition was telling me, even though I wasn't presenting as a candidate for some of these treatments at the time, um, mm -hmm. that that was my issue. And we get to this clinic, we have the consultation and the doctor was like, well, I don't think you're a candidate for that testing and it's really expensive. So why don't you just do another round of IVF? And mm -hmm. I listened <laughs> and I didn't follow my intuition. And that led me to loss of time, a very expensive IVF, um, heartache that it didn't work. And I just wish that I had some of these practices to bring in those hard questions that you don't want to ask, you know, like you don't want those answers. You, you kind of just want to, you know, do the things that you feel like you need to do and it will work out. But the reality is, is if you take a step back and just be honest with yourself and really, truly follow your intuition, um, that it's not too late, right? That these things mm -hmm. don't have to have, you don't have to attach yourself to those outcomes that you think have to happen now, because maybe you started the process. Um, but so those are just big things that you need to ask. And if you continue in the round, right? If your body's like, yes, this is just something that I do want to continue with. Mm -hmm. um, try not to get hung up on the what ifs or I wish I would have, right? Like I wish I would have taken care. I wish my gut health was a hundred percent. I wish I would have mm -hmm. known this before this treatment, right? You have to like really kind of embrace that this is the situation you're in. And for some reason, this is exactly where you should be. And how do you make it the best that you can? Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I totally relate to that because I'm, I'm one of that person, those persons that I'm only always wondering, what if I'm not doing enough? What if I need to continue doing testing? What if there's something there that they haven't found and they need to continue ruling out different things? And every time I go into the next procedure, it's like, <laughs> I'm always wondering, am I doing enough? And I just, it's so overwhelming because there's so much information in so many different directions 
the different you know people give you that it's yeah. very very overwhelming <laughs> yeah yeah so just you know the same process really just tap back into your body and just go okay I surrender this is what I've chosen to do and I'm going to surrender to the process and whatever the outcome is we'll deal with it when it happens right and you have the knowledge, <laughs> you already have lowered your inflammation greatly. Um, and, you know, you have the medical support, which is really good. You know how you're going to feel on this medical support. So maybe you can be a <laughs> bit more gracious with yourself, give yourself some more space, um, you know, things like that, that can really support you through it. Um but yeah, I I personally don't think at the moment, the little that I know is that you need to go out and get more tests and get more answers. I think you have the answers and it's really just mm -hmm. about surrendering and trusting yourself and, and giving yourself that space to heal. Sounds wonderful. I take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier than thinking, you know, I need to keep testing and pushing for different things than what else is out there. It's just, I'm driving myself crazy. And this is yeah. insane. Yeah. Sometimes the answers are right in front of our face. And um, yeah. it's just hard to see because we're so in, we're, we're in the mud, right? We're in the thick of it. Yeah. And especially yeah. because very little doctors connect the dots between gut health and fertility. And it really bothers me because it's like, am I the only one that can think that this could be or, and I start getting to, into people like you and other professionals, like they really believe there's a connection but unfortunately common medicine doctors just don't connect the dots and it's yeah. very frustrating yeah it's going to take a, a while for them to start seeing it um i'm i'm grateful that autoimmune issues some fertility doctors are picking up and linking um i know zeta yeah. west is a big figure over in um, the uk and you know she's caught on to it so i think it will eventually get there um my hope really is for people to um, be empowered and know that with or without medical assistance, they can do amazing things for their body um, and just reconnect those links and um, give their, their, you know, mental and emotional and their physical space time to heal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to ask me? No, I mean, if you, if, if it was you, because um, chances are I'm going to go ahead and proceed with the retrieval at this point, but I really want to make sure that I prepare the, my body the best for the next transfer, hopefully, if I make good embryos. Um, so what, what would you or how long would you wait after retrieval for a transfer or would you prepare any different or I don't know? any recommendations on how to best prepare for that transfer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good benefit right now if you're going to get them tested. So what I would yeah. do is um, don't change anything right now. You just do what you're doing for the egg retrieval. Um, I would give your body months to reco recover and recoup um, one from the IVF, but also I would dive back into really healing the gut. So I mm -hmm. would definitely do a gut protocol, which is three months. Um, I would hop back on the natural remedies for SIBO. Um, and yeah, just give yourself, um, minimum three months because you have the knowledge right? Mm -hmm. um, and if you feel like you don't have the knowledge, obviously reach out, we can work one to one, or you can join the formula, which is the group coaching. And okay. you'll be like, right on it, right? Like, there's no sometimes like there's a digging phase where it's like, a, like a few weeks, a month that you got to kind of figure everything out, like, you know what you need to do. So you just get on to that. And it's really about for you for a group, um, for bringing the eggs home, it's lowering that inflammation with or without those immune suppressing drugs, right? Mm, um, yeah. Because when I was on the immune suppressing drugs, um, luckily I already had the knowledge that I have today. And my mission with the immune suppressing drugs, because 
there's no research, there's no studies, they don't know the lasting effects, if there is any, using these pretty invasive drugs, hardcore drugs, to foster the first three months of that baby's life. So for me, when I use them, I wanted to make sure that I was supporting my body in a way that they were the drugs were able to do what they needed to do, but my body was also able to detox them as soon as possible. How did you detox them? Right. Because <laughs> no. so, it's so hard because my thinking is while you're on those drugs, you shouldn't take anything else or other supplements because it may interfere with, you know, the, the baby and the, the medicines and yeah, that's my so fear. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't detoxing them per se with something. I just was clean. My body was clean. Mm. My pathways were clean. My, my liver was healthy. My liver was able to just do that. So what's happening when people aren't supporting their self in a holistic functional way and just getting good enough embryos to then use the immune suppressing drugs is that their body still has to deal with all that inflammation. So now that body has to deal with the inflammation, deal with the immune suppressing drugs and grow a baby. (laughs) And the studies are out there that IVF babies are 30% more likely to deal with issues like ADHD, autism, food intolerances, health issues. And it's not the IVF procedures themselves. And I would even go to say it's not the medical treatment because I don't think there's even enough information out there. And maybe there won't ever be to link the effects of the immune suppressing drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the woman's body. You know, IVF literally puts egg and sperm together. That's all it does. The immune yeah. suppressing drugs yeah. only lower your immune system. Your body, especially when you get off the hormones and the immune suppressing drugs has to do everything itself. And if you're yeah. not even in a close enough state to do that, um, it's going to wreak havoc. And we're already seeing loads of women using these medical treatments have a really horrendous pregnancies, have lots of complication, develop thyroid issues either during or after or type 2 diabetes. There's so many more complications going on. And it's because their mm-hmm. body wasn't in even close of a state to handle the impact that pregnancy is on you. Mm-hmm. so yeah very well said <laughs> yeah so you're not taking things to detox you're just you're just in a state that you're so clean that your body is able to Does process yeah. these things better right. um so that that is really key um so that would be my advice is just do the things you need to do and and the moment you feel like three months or four months down the line, like, I feel, I feel good. I feel ready. I, I'm ready for this process. My thyroid panel has improved. I don't need to be on as much medication. My gut health has been good for a few weeks now. That's when you know you're, you're ready to welcome your baby home, you know, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. and know that in the worst case scenario, that you don't get viable embryos, that that is not your future, right? And that's what I want people to know most of all. If you take that one, like, so my last frozen embryo transfer that I I had a miscarriage with two healthy embryos doing all the right Mm -hmm. things. If I would have deemed that, like that was my future, I would have, I was completely wrong. I didn't think that, but I didn't know that two months later I got pregnant. I was going to get pregnant naturally. (laughs) That's that's amazing. (laughs) Right. So just know that those, these procedures and every step on your timeline does not dictate your future, especially if you continue to do the things you need to do to improve your cellular health and your mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay makes sense yeah 
these are this is a big journey for you this is a really really yeah. big journey yeah and um it is it's been a roller coaster of emotions and you know mentally emotionally financially draining it's mm -hmm. horrible <laughs> yeah yeah I get it I know I I absolutely know what you're going through and I mean yeah. it it breaks my heart that so many of us have to walk these long paths to get yeah. to a place mm -hmm. that is easily accessible it's not it's it's not an easy road <laughs> it's hard to do no. <laughs> but it's it's accessible and that's like one of my biggest motivations for doing what I do now is that when I got pregnant naturally with our second son I was pissed off like the first like three or four months I was really mad that I had to go through everything that I went through when the answers were there the steps were doable and it didn't have to be long. It didn't have to be expensive. It didn't yeah. have to be dramatic. I don't blame you. I would be, I would feel yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. But but in your case, I mean, when you say, what was your root cause that My you gut? said, well, that was, was it too? Yep. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's why I'm Good so passionate know. about gut health. <laughs> yeah. I had, um, I had severe leaky gut. So that's mm -hmm. why when anyone's dealing with gut issues, um, it's most likely that you you have leaky gut as well. Um, and yeah. that's why we heavily focus on the targeted supplementation and making mm -hmm. sure we're staying away from our stressors, whether that be yeah. food, toxins, mm -hmm. mental and emotional, whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. And because like I said in the beginning, when you have leaky, when you have gut issues, there's high inflammation going throughout your whole body. Um, I think it's 70% of your immune systems in your gut, your hormones, you know, the gut brain connection. That's why your thyroid is most likely acting up. Um, mm -hmm. So you have this inflammation going on through your body. So your body's not able to welcome the baby or maintain a healthy pregnancy. But then on top of that, your cellular health is so poor that you have low A quality as well. So luckily, <laughs> you get to kill two birds with one stone by just focusing on that one area. Wonderful. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll get there. It sounds yeah, like yeah. you, you're open. You're open to walk a different path. You're open to receive yeah, new no, I, I, messages. Hundred percent. Fourteen years dealing with gut problems. I mean, I'm open to anything. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> yeah. I already know that you know gluten daily don't go well with me, and I took them out of my life completely. But um, if I need to keep doing changes, I will. Um, yeah. It's all about you know working on your own health and finding. As you said, your root causes, because ultimately, I know my Hashimoto thyroid disease is caused by my gut. I, I've proven that. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact that that is the issue. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you some show notes. Obviously, please don't act on any of the uh, SIBO regime or anything like that until after your IVF, if you choose to do right. it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just make sure you reach out and just let me know how you get on. And, um, you know, the community um, is a really easy um, and affordable place just to have a sounding board and someone to talk to. And, um, you know, I, I personally feel that's where the value is, right? Being mm -hmm. able to have yeah like-minded people that are going through the same yeah. thing and doing the same things as you and they don't think you're crazy and they totally get what you're going through <laughs> get it. Yeah. um I just think that's invaluable um so yeah there okay. there's there's support out there for sure and you know just drop into um being at peace of where you are and going along for the ride and know that you're heading you're heading to your ultimate goal um, and sometimes it's a rough road, but <laughs> we eventually get there. <laughs> it will pay off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you absolutely. so much for sharing your journey. I know this is going to help so many people, um, you know, kind of realize that their gut health and their thyroid issues are definitely connected to their fertility issues. And hopefully some doctors will start listening and wake up. <laughs> yes. 
that that should be the ultimate goal and i and i actually want to thank you for everything that you do i think that every time i listen to you i learn something new and it's very valuable and you bring uh, people hope so thank you for that oh thank you so much yeah well it's my <laughs> pleasure my pleasure well you have a great evening and yes please keep in touch absolutely thank you thank you bye 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 if you feel called to discover what you personally need to do and are ready to have an intimate conversation, please go down to the show notes. There's a link there that you can book your own personal discovery call. Also, for your chance to book your own podcast discovery call, I do send out a email to my email subscribers every two months looking for new guests. So if you're not already on the email list, I highly suggest you sign up today. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.